Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Ina Pinkney, the polio fighter known as the Breakfast Queen, joins us today to talk about her work. She is a polio survivor who has devoted her retirement from running Ina's, her restaurant, to working with Rotary International to end polio. She'll also teach us how to master her superpower, fearlessness. Ina, uh, welcome back. It's so good to see you again. I'm so grateful that you would show up. Uh, Thank you very much for joining me. Well, meeting you at the World Polio Day in October of 2018 feels like a thousand years ago, but I am thrilled to be back talking to you today. Well, thank you. You know, in, in, in pandemic years, that does seem like a generation ago, doesn't it? It does. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, so much, so much has happened in the world and we've all been a part of this extraordinary experience. Um, and as I uh, now begin my work on a book that I hope people will be able to read as they're listening to this, the, the, the book will be available, uh, I believe. Uh, we haven't even settled on a title for the book, but it'll be something like Superpowers for Good, How to Leave Your Mark on the World. Um, in preparation for writing that, uh, I looked back at our interview and realized that you had given me a rather profound answer to the question, what is your superpower? You had said that being fearless was your superpower. And uh, that's kind of extraordinary. Now, you were a successful entrepreneur. You are a polio survivor. You are a polio fighter, a Rotarian, among all those things. Uh, I want to start by asking you how being fearless helped you as an entrepreneur. Well... I'm going to ask you to go back just a little bit and that I think my first lesson was when I was six years old and I discovered that I was kinder than the kids around me who were bullying me. And Mm -hmm. I thought about that a lot because it was a daily experience. And I understood at that point that I could not cower but had to find some power in order to go up against that. And so my, my sense of kindness about who I was gave me a voice where I could say, what you're doing to me is not kind. And that took a certain amount of fearlessness to go up against the bullies. And so I think the kernel began there And I think I was able to enhance that fearlessness over my lifetime. Now, there was a tagline that I said to you in our meeting, and that my superpower was that I was fearless, but I was never reckless. And that, too, is a kind of superpower. You will not see me go skydiving without a harness and a parachute. (laughs) Right. I will go skydiving because I have planned it out. And so that really is an important part of being fearless, is never being reckless. I think what I would attribute to part of my success in my business was that I had absolutely no idea how to run a restaurant. None. I only knew from my experiences as a diner and a guest 
and observing everything. I'm hypervigilant. I knew I could do it better than what was being done. And so I figured out and plotted my escape from my bakery where I taught myself how to bake before, after I opened the bakery. Um, I knew that I could do it. I just knew it because I had seen everything around me and I knew I could be better than that. Interesting. Interesting. As you think about the application of your fearlessness to um, your experiences with rotary fighting polio, do, do you see that at work there do, in others or in yourself? Um, in others, for sure. I mean, they have set the example and they have set the bar. And so I, when I first discovered this, and discovered Rotary and realized that they have been working toward this since the 80s at the exact same time that I was starting to suffer with post-polio issues, the late effects of polio. It was a natural meshing for me that here were people who said that in my lifetime that we could actually end polio at the same time that I was really struggling. Remember, I had polio 11 years before there was a vaccine. And so I am part of that particular generation of people, a dying generation, a dying demographic, who sure. struggled and suffered and are suffering still from a disease that is 100% preventable, but zero degrees per, uh, curable. So I watched what Rotary was doing. I also then, part of my fearlessness was to share my story. And so standing in front of a district meeting of several hundred people and telling them who I was and what I had lived through and why it was so important for me to talk to them about raising money still, that takes a certain amount of courage and certainly a fearlessness to stand up there and say, this is who I am. This is not who you think I am. This is who I really am. Yeah, that what a vulnerable position to put yourself in. And, uh, you know, I, I had not fully put it together uh, I, until I think it was Brene Brown re watching one of her presentations. I began to appreciate that, that vulnerability and courage are really harmonious, if not synonymous, mm -hmm. right? It, it takes real courage to put yourself out there and be vulnerable. Mm -hmm. uh, you talked about your experience as a little girl. Uh, I, I imagine that you were being picked on in part because of your polio experience, but perhaps that's not the case. Well, that Tell us a little bit about the context. That is completely the case. You know, I had a love-hate relationship with being allowed to go up the three flights to my schoolroom before the bell rang because I couldn't navigate with the crowd of children. I had a love-hate relationship with not having to leave when there was a fire drill. And because the kids saw me staying behind or going first, um, which I needed to do, it was always a challenge, always. In the classroom, when I was sitting in the classroom, I was the envy of the other kids because I was smart. But in the playground, I was prey. Yeah. 
that is so uh, really, really profound to think about. And clearly, you channeled that experience to develop your fearlessness, to develop your strength, your courage. There are a lot of people who are listening who won't be able to relate directly to those experiences. Uh, they're different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, everyone faces trials. Um, but I want to, I want to ask you the hard question here, and that is how, how do people who don't go through what you've been through develop some sense? Maybe they can't be as fearless as you, but how do they develop some of that uh, without having had your childhood experiences and your framing and foundation? I think you have to learn by example. Take a look at somebody that you admire and listen to their conversations. It could be a Brene Brown. It could be your next door neighbor. It could be a teacher. It could be a kid who's in the same class that you are. But learn by example. Watch what they do. Watch the reaction of people around them and say, I want to be like that. And then, yeah, it is dipping your toe in the water. You have to be courageous enough to try it. But, you know, one of my other life lessons to people is it takes less energy to be courageous than it does to be afraid. You can be afraid all your life and be using that energy to be afraid takes one minute to be courageous and then you went oh i see the difference now i see what i had to give out which is so much less than being afraid that is a fascinating observation i had never thought about it that way at all uh that the opposite of fearlessness is fear and fear requires energy tremendous Uh, yeah yeah so just channeling your energy in a different direction you know the ex the the example i always give and people laugh but i try to bring it to popular culture oprah winfrey talked about having her ears pierced for 20 years and how afraid she was 20 years she talked about it on the air but she was afraid and then one day she had it done and in 30 seconds it was over and 20 years of fear was over in 30 seconds. And then she got yeah. to wear her pretty earrings. Yeah, that is so, that is so fascinating. So it's, a, it's, it's a great and extreme example. Uh, you, you talk about uh, taking action to overcome your fear. I, I, I think what you're saying is that fearlessness requires you to set aside fear. Um, so let, let's think about this another way. You have gone skydiving. That is something you've done, right? I've gone now, whitewater rafting on class 10. Whoa. <laughs> so now let, let's stay with the, the, uh, the skydiving for just a minute because it's so easy for most people to relate to the, the fear, that. right? The, the absolute fear of, Jumping out of a perfectly good airplane it just seems so counterintuitive. Right. Tell us a little bit about that. I imagine you felt fear, and yet you talk about fearlessness. So how do you, in fact, experience that? When you say you're fearless, what does that mean when there's 
clearly you would be afraid, but you overcame it. Let's talk about that. Okay, so let's go back to never being reckless. So I had always imagined how free and glorious it must be to be swimming in the air. And that's the people had said, that's what you feel like. You don't have a sense of falling. You don't drop like a rock. And I had always wondered what that would feel like because I can never experience my body at a speed other than walking slowly. And I thought, my God, they take you in a plane and you jump out of a plane. Well, one day, one of my customers was there, a great guy who came in at least three or four days a week. And I said, Julian, what are you going to do today? And he said, actually, I'm going skydiving. I'm a jumper. And this is the last day of the season. So I'm going to go. And I immediately, my eyes got as big as saucers. And I went, Julian, I want to do that. And he said, okay, as soon as the weather changes back into the spring, I will let you know. And and I'll give you a day's notice. He said, what do you want to know? I said, I want to know for me personally, what it feels like to be free, to be totally free of my bodily constraints. That's what I want. He said, are you afraid? I said, I'm sure when that plane goes up and I have to jump out, I'm sure I will have a sense of something. I don't know if I can call it fear, but I will feel something that's not anything I know. Well, sure enough, one day he calls and he said, Ina, Tomorrow is the day because I know you don't work on Mondays. And so let's do it. And he gave me all the information and I met him out at the field. And I went through the 45 minute class. I understood everything they were telling me. I met the young man who would be tied to me, strapped to me in the back. I had my altimeter watch on, which made me feel so fabulous. And I said, okay, I am ready. And he said, well, I'm going to jump out right after you, and I will catch you up there. And I was so excited. Now, yes, when it came time to go out, they they care for you. So it's like one, two, three, and you're out. You don't even know how fast. And then all of a sudden, I am in the sky. And so I never had a chance to feel that um, that fear that's paralyzing. I only felt a fear attached to excitement yeah. because I knew I was doing it well and had planned for it. And then all of a sudden there is Julian literally swimming over to me in the air and he held my hands and gave me a thumbs up and then he flew away. And I, I will never, never, never forget that. Never. Wow. Now, were you uh, doing this in a in a buddy jump or were you all alone? The first one is always a buddy jump. So I had a young man attached to me. I attached to him. And um, because my leg doesn't work well enough, we had to do a different kind of a landing, which he took care of. We explained all that up front. That's another part of being vulnerable is saying what you can and cannot do without any shame attached to it without any fear of being rejected because of it. I can do that. I can't do this. Yeah. And people who care about you will work within those parameters. Fascinating. Fascinating. 
it's hard for I'm sure it's hard for me. I imagine it's hard for some of the audience to imagine that fearlessness carrying through the whole experience. Um, but it, it seems to me that you were able to um, overcome fear or even prevent fear through thoughtful preparation. Absolutely. And not only that, but remember, the fear had to, it was never going to be more more heavy on the on the weight scale than the excitement of doing something that I have always wanted to do. You know, would I feel the same way if it was an activity that I'd never thought of doing? I don't know the answer. But because yeah. I had dreamed of this, thought about this, watched it, you know, it didn't weigh anywhere near the the weight of the excitement. Yeah. So it seems to me, just to put a narrow, fine point on it, that one of the tools, one of the ways that people can learn to be fearless is to prepare. Yes. Now, that's an easy thing to comprehend when we're talking about things we understand, even if they are scary, like jumping out of an airplane the preparation removes the fear, but we know exactly how that's going to play out. We can watch it being done. We can pay attention to all the instructions, et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot of things in this world that are sort of unknown. Are you able to prepare for that? Is preparation a tool for dealing with fear of unknown things that come up? Uh, or, Or is there some other aspect of fearlessness that comes into play? For me, it's an internal planning, even if I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Um, I have a thing that I will admit to you and only you. (laughs) When I'm going into a really big room for some big event, I stand at the door frame, a doorway for just a minute. And I have to gather myself together because it's an unknown for me. And I walk into the room and I then own the room. Yeah. Own the room because I have prepared myself for anything that could happen. People won't talk to me. People will ignore me, whatever. I walk into that room ready. And that's an unknown. It's a complete unknown. But I always get myself centered. Always. I always get ready, knowing what I can bring to the party. That is fascinating. That is fascinating. But it's a perfect example of how you are deploying or, or building your fearlessness through preparation. Is that, is that a fair description? If I say that you're preparing and that's that's one of the ways you, you channel and create your fearlessness? Correct. And I prepare in all kinds of ways. You know, if it's something that I have to do a a cooking demonstration, I'm prepared. You know, my hands know what they're going to do and I know what I'm going to say. Walking into that room, I have no idea what's going to happen. But I've centered myself to walk in the room saying, you're going to own that room as soon as you get in there. I mean, I I am ready. Yeah. Happiness is is big in that preparation. It's so fascinating. Uh, And I know I'm, I'm overstating this 
preparation as a key toward developing your own fearlessness. But let's step back for just a minute. What else uh, is there that you do to build your fearlessness? And, and, and maybe it's, you know, think about reflecting on your childhood experiences, your, your tenure in entrepreneurship, your polio fight. Uh, what other aspects are there that you use to be or become fearless? Um, my preparation also has to do with um, being ready at the, at the moment I need to be ready. I mean, I can sit here and prepare mentally for that airplane jump. But when I get there to the field and I get in the plane, I have to get ready. I've been prepared, but getting ready to to do my very best is also part of that fearlessness because I know I'm ready. I feel the readiness. Yeah. Well, that's, that's amazing and, and inspiring. I'm so grateful. Well, Ina, um, as we are recording this, and maybe we should have covered this at the top of the show to make it more interesting, uh, your comments on fearlessness. But I think um, the last data I have seen on polio suggests that there have not been any wild polio cases since January. We're now late May, as you and I are recording this. We'll probably air this in September. So this is a little bit dated. I'm hoping this is still true in September. But um, is that what you're hearing, Ina, on the polio front as well? There have been very, there's been very little information coming out now because of COVID and because the stats are not available. My fear is that there will be an upsurge in polio because of the lack of vaccinations. I'm going to be on a call tomorrow with the people in Pakistan um, who will talk about what's happening there. I did get a call from somebody at the State Department who's in vaccine confidence outreach. They're trying to spin it so it's not vaccine hesitancy. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and they're worried about the lack of vaccines for people around the world for all diseases. Yeah. And so that's really a big issue. And they asked if I would do something. And the answer was, of course, I would do something. So they're going to take my little clip from the World Polio Day. And they're going to introduce me as Ina Pinckney, an American polio survivor. And at the end of the clip, they will do information about vaccinations. And they're working on uploading it to the websites of every embassy, U.S. embassy around the world. Wow. Wow. That's I amazing. Didn't only get it on the Mars rover. I could have been intergalactic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You deserve to be. Thanks. You deserve to be. Well, so I don't um, know what's going to happen, Devin. I, I don't have good feelings about this, and we won't know for a while, but uh, I'll listen yeah. to that, that streaming tomorrow. Well, I was certainly expecting what you were, that we would see uh, a spike in, in polio cases. And I've been trying to you know, I've reached out to folks at Rotary and the Gates Foundation in recent weeks to better understand why the um, case counts are so low, in fact, absent, uh, to see, you know, what did they do? 
how did did this finally take? Uh, And I, uh, I, I get what you're saying. Maybe this may just be bad data. Um, Or no data. Or, you know, lack of data. Yeah. So, uh, you know, time will tell, we'll keep our fingers crossed and we'll keep donating to end polio. Uh, So, uh, Ina, thank you so much for all you do. Thank you for making time for me today and for this discussion. Uh, you, you today are empowering people to emulate you, to be more like you, to be more fearless, to make that a superpower in their lives that enables them to be uh, both successful in their careers and to leave a mark for good on the world. So uh, thank you. Don't forget that they will be happier. Yes, that's such a good point. If you could trade fearlessness, trade your fear for fearlessness, how much happier will you be? Yeah, fantastic. Well, Ina, thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate you. You're the best. Thank you so much, Devin. All righty, let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers. Don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers4good.com. Don't forget, get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer.